0: You're listening to Getting Pig and Green. I'm Stephanie.
1: And I'm Laura. We like talking about health, wellness, and eco-friendliness in a fun and approachable way.
0: Today we have a super special interview with Julia Simone, who's our resident expert in energy.
1: Yes, I'm super excited to have Julia on. She knows so much, and I think we have a lot to learn from her.
0: Totally. Let's get to it. Welcome back to guinea and Green.
1: Hey, Stephanie. Hi, Laura. Today on the podcast, we have my friend from McGill, Julia Simone. Uh, we met through the um, Office of Sustainability. I was interning there, and she was an intern for the McGill Energy Project. She's super passionate about renewable energy, um, and so right now she's working with the Canadian Geothermal Energy Association, uh, and she's going to be our resident expert on renewable energy today.
2: Yay. Hi. (laughs) Hi, Julia.
1: Welcome to the podcast.
0: Thanks for having Thanks for coming.
1: Thank you for having me for sure. It's a pleasure. Yeah. So you you're in Calgary right now. I am. I just moved to Calgary. I saw on Facebook that you're out there, you just brought a suitcase and your dog and it just kinda sounds really wonderful. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, a lot of people have told me I'm a little bit crazy, but I'm
2: hopeful, you know? It's (laughs) big changes and uh you know, I think there's a lot of opportunity here, so I'm really looking forward to it.
1: What exactly are you working on?
2: I'm work. I just started working with the Canadian Geothermal Energy Association, and uh, so, you know, I'm doing a lot of the business side of things. So, we just drafted her international business strategy. Uh, she's planning her conference right now, actually, which is in Calgary in March. Uh, anyone who's interested in geothermal energy is more than welcome to come. I'd love to see them there.
1: <laughs> yeah, send us a link, oh. and we'll put it. We'll put it in the uh, in the blog post. Oh, that'd be awesome! Thank you. Yeah, I will. So, if you had to explain this to like a complete renewable energy noob, what exactly is geothermal energy? Okay, cool. So uh, maybe I can explain what renewable
2: energy is based on. So, what what is energy, right? So. Every time that someone turns on the light, we need energy. That's, you know, energy-powered light. Every time that we have a hot shower, that we're also using energy. Every time we cook, every time we hop in the car to go somewhere. So we're using energy, right? Mm -hmm. And uh, for a majority of, you know, human existence, I think we've been extracting means to get energy. So we've been using a lot of coal, a lot of uh, fossil fuel-based energy sources, which are... Extractive, right? So we get them from mining. We get them from, you know, uh, non-renewable sources. So what's a renewable? A renewable source? It's like uh, energy that comes from resources. I would say that are continually replenished, like sunlight. So you know, like we, you know, everyone knows what a solar panel is wind turbines, you can use run of river hydro projects. So that's like, you know, the, the water coming down from streams. Those are all renewable sources of energy. So geothermal is heat from the ground. That's a form of renewable energy as well. Um, you know, so there's pros and cons to all of them, right? So, uh, so the reason why we're still using a lot of fossil fuels is because they're base load. So for example, you know, at nighttime, there's no, there's no sun. And, uh, you know, sometimes there's no wind also, so we kind of need a baseload form of energy like coal. So oftentimes, you know, during peak hours, which is, you know, when you come home from work or first thing in the morning, you're generally using, you know, coal or hydro in Quebec. Um, So depending on the situation, what's awesome is that different energy sources can be used for different applications, right? So like sunlight and wind are... They're intermittent, so they're used like when when they're available. But geothermal is also baseload. So geothermal is a clean energy source that can actually replace coal plants, right? So that's that's kind of the the energy source that I'm most passionate about, which is why I'm working with the Canadian Geothermal Energy Association because it is baseload and it has the capacity to replace fossil fuels large scale. You know where it's where it's feasible.
1: That's, that's awesome. really cool. I think yeah. that's the best I've ever heard somebody explain renewable energy. Yeah. <laughs> no.
0: <laughs> <Totally>. <laughs> no, really. Um, so what are some of the reasons that geothermal energy, I mean, it sounds like the perfect energy source. Like, what do you think are the reasons that it's not being employed more broadly?
2: Such a good question, because... You know, sometimes I'm not even sure myself.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Stakeholders.
2: Yeah, yeah. I think that, um, you know, a a large part of it is the the cost. So, you know, everyone or people who are in the economy, like, we all want to make short-term profit, right? And I think that when you introduce a new energy source, and it's not that it's new, it's just it's new for some parts of the world, you know, so Iceland is actually, like, 60% powered from geothermal because they they used it early on, right? Whereas like we are, you know, in North America, we already have a system that is so reliant on fossil fuels that it would take a heap load of money to start investing in new forms of energy to try to like right. change our system. Um, and I also think that it's a little bit of like the political will as well. I think there are big lobbyists who are still pushing for um, conventional fossil fuels. And uh, you know, there's less, there's less of a political will that wants to trans transition to like a low carbon economy. Um, you know, and I think that that's going to be the big call for our generation is to actually create that urgency and to create, you know, to like mobilize people to say, you know, we need to start innovating and to, to catch up with other countries who are transitioning to a low-carbon economy and who are using renewable sources of energy like geothermal, right? So, like, for instance, our government um, doesn't really acknowledge geothermal as, like, a viable source so we get left out of a lot of funding opportunities i think there was like a billion dollar fund that went out to renewables like solar and wind but geothermal didn't really get any of it and it's been so hard to get permitting for geothermal projects i don't know why that is but i think it's just the way that our legislation is right now and um so we need a lot of money to actually be able to lobby the government to the same extent that other you know conventional sources are right
1: (laughs) yeah totally Is there anything yeah. that we can be doing, um, like as individuals, outside of lobbying, that encourages like the movement towards renewable energies? Because not everybody sees themselves as like an activist or like somebody who's like willing to dedicate all their time to that.
2: Um, yeah, totally. Um, so I think I think a lot of people actually don't understand the importance of climate change, which is you know I think I think it's really important to understand that. Um, I know. Yeah, do you want
0: to go into that a little bit. Yeah. Like why it is so important? No, yeah. totally.
2: Yeah, I think. Um, well, then I'll then I'll answer Laura's question after that. Yeah. So um, you know, so as our as we start using conventional sources of energy and fossil fuels, our you know our globe is warming. So that can cause and and also there's greenhouse gases in the atmosphere, which causes acid rain. We get a lot of droughts. We get uh, you know. Um, warming of oceans which causes hurricanes and whatnot and I think that we have been seeing more extreme weather temperatures and that affects it affects like every aspect of life because you know the poorest nations are hit the hardest Um, it affects our food systems you know sometimes we'll be more than okay to have food supply sometimes we're gonna have shortages Um, so you know uh, so that's that's I guess why it's important, and some people still don't believe in climate change, right? So I think that yes. we need to start believing in climate change, which is and, and that's why I've mentioned it because I think that it's more than just you know using public transit and turning off your lights when you're going to sleep and you know using less energy in your home, but I think that we need as a you know as a people we need to kind of have a higher level of consciousness and empathy towards the people who are going to be the hardest hit for climate change. And that will, you know, once I believe that I can have an impact in a in a small scale, then that belief will like transfer into my behavior, right? So, you know, then I will actually start making decisions for the benefit of other human beings. And, you know, I will take public transit, I'll bike to school, I'll, uh, you know, reduce my energy consumption during peak hours which is when you get home from when you get home from work when everyone's using energy from like you know four to eight um other things that we can do i found when i was working with the mcgill energy project that a lot of like research equipment tends to burn a lot of energy um so you know so just like be mindful when you're going about in your day to day and uh kind of just really having a, you know, a general consciousness that, you know, my actions do affect a large number of people, right? And as we, you know, as we graduate and we, like, we move on, I think that we got to be mindful, too, like, where are our investments going, right? Like, who does our pension fund invest in? Are we investing in fossil fuels or are we investing in a cleaner tomorrow? You know, um, so that's one of them. And I think also, oh, my goodness, I think the biggest one is actually, you know, being politically active, because, you know, in past elections, the climate crisis was hardly mentioned. I think that Al Gore was, like, the biggest mover for the climate crisis, but, you know, in the last election with Harper, I don't think that, you know, the climate crisis was was hardly mentioned, right? So, like, we as a society kind of need to come together and say, okay, let's get up for this cause, and let's actually bring it to the surface and say, we need a change here, and I'm reading like a phenomenal book by Ramis Nam, who it's <laughs> called The Infinite Resource, and mm-hmm. he pretty much says that like knowledge is our only infinite resource, right? And and humans have, in past generations, we have like overcome so many crises um, just by innovation, right? Like I think in the 1960s, uh, people were predicting that we'd starve from food sh- foods shortages. But uh, then we had the green revolution. So someone invented a crop that could be planted, you know, twice as often and produce, like, twice the yield, and that ended up, like, saving that crisis, right? So (laughs) I think that, you know, there's a huge challenge ahead of us, but I'm hopeful that it also presents as many opportunities to rise
1: to the occasion and to innovate and to really get out of this mess, you know? Mm -hmm. So one of the things that we wanted to talk about is, like, I know – Like, at the McGill Energy Project, you had this energy dashboard, and you were actually able to track energy usage, which is really cool. So I was wondering if you would be able to provide any insights on, um, like, in our day-to-day lives. Well, because I
0: really liked what you said about the peak hours. That's something that had (laughs) never even occurred to me. I've never heard that before anywhere. So can you talk a little bit more about that? Or, like, what Laura's saying, like, is there times of day that are better...
2: Yeah, so uh, everyone, think about like, so peak hours is when everyone's using energy. So in our, in our homes, I guess. So when everyone comes home from work, we're all using energy. And that's why sometimes during peak hours, I think some provinces charge you more for the amount of energy that you use during peak hours. Hmm. Um, so that's something to be mindful of. And I think also in extreme weather. So like McGill just sent out an email saying we have extreme cold weather. We know that everyone's going to be using a lot of energy. Can you please try to use as minimal as you can. Um, So when everyone's using energy, that's when you kind of want to be mindful also to not use as much. Um, Just because I think that would cause systematic problems. um, I don't know. I don't know exactly how that works. Um, But uh, that's something to be mindful of. And then um, with the McGill Energy Project, we kind of found out that because the mcgill's so infrastructure so the older the infrastructure i guess the more heat lost through the piping um you know the more difficult the more expensive it is to really upgrade that those systems so that's you know that's where we lost a lot of energy just because of the uh, archaic infrastructure that we have at mcgill <laughs> um we also lost a lot of it with uh, research so research like, produces so much energy, Uh, and I think also in in the real world, like, manufacturing, uh, a lot of factories produce a lot of energy, so, you know, things that we can do is we can be mindful of what what am I buying? Am I buying locally or am I buying an apple that was um, grown in China, you know? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Um, uh, What else? How do I get to school? So, you know, do I walk, whatever? What do I buy at the store? So, you know, all the, all the packaging that we use, that those are plastics manufactured from fossil fuels, right? Um, and I mean, not to say, like, I, I'm not saying that fossil fuels are bad because our economy actually is, uh, like, in large part, our economic growth has been because Canada is so abundant in natural resources and it has done so much good for our economy. Right. Um, but there are th- choices that we can make that can transition us to having a cleaner economy and create different economic opportunities for us, too. So uh, the, just anything else? I mean, what have you guys
1: used to kind of <laughs> lower your energy consumption? Well, I mean, I think that at this point, everybody knows, like, you know, turn off your lights, um... Like, you know, like don't drive as much, um, but I think it's hard to tell because we don't know actually how much, it's so hard, it's so intangible how much energy right. is being spent with that. Right. Um, so like, like, like like I try to be conscious and not use uh, single use packaging, I use my reusable containers, I try to buy things with fewer packaging, I try to be mm-hmm. a conscious consumer. Um, but like for me, I think it'd be really interesting if you could go through like I guess some of like the energy myths. So like, is there something yeah. we're focusing too much attention on and like not enough? In, like for example, um, like perhaps like we're focusing too much on like turning off your lights, where really it should be have shorter showers or have colder showers. Um, I don't I don't know if you mm. if you have like insight on sort of the exact. Um,
2: oh, that's interesting. Um... Well, it's a lot of that, but I think it's more, it's its a lot of bigger decisions, too. Like, I think that, uh, like, turning on your lights, not that it's, like, not important, but it's definitely negligible considering um, the energy that we consume with transporting goods. Uh, mm. So I think that's something, you know, there, there are also, like, business opportunities that come up um, when you're trying to change an energy system because, for example, so the equipment that we use Uh, on campus for research, one of the things that we found with the McGill Energy Project was that procurement, the procurement office, which is the office that kind of like signs off on, okay, you can buy your technology from this purchaser and then it can come through this office, we sign off on it and then it goes straight to the researcher for the research, right? So is there an opportunity there for them to kind of um, influence the researcher to purchase the the most, uh, the cleanest kind of technology. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, so, so there's systemic things that you can do in terms of like creating business means to try to encourage people or incentives to encourage people to choose the cleaner option. Right. And sometimes it's the more expensive option, but I think that in the long run, it's actually the, uh, the least expensive because you know, you're saving on energy costs, which are like going to soar so much in our generation, right? Like energy, yeah. energy costs are only they're only going to rise, and as more and more people demand energy, so our populations are growing. We all want to drive, we all want to use our computers, we all want to turn on our lights and <laughs> cook mm-hmm. and clean and stuff, right? Um, so energy costs are definitely on the rise, but uh, it was it was cool to see that there were business opportunities too that could come up from it. So
0: in your opinion like the biggest thing we could do would be to vote with our dollar kind of idea um, instead of worrying about the little things around the house it would be like okay what about this packaging is this business eco-friendly etc is I using energy in a responsible way do you think that that's a better better focus oh
2: uh, yeah that's yeah that's interesting so I think it's with our dollar um, so yeah what am I purchasing? It's also, who am I voting for? What kind of political mm-hmm. candidate am I voting for? Um, you know, for example, I think that uh, the BC government right now, they're looking at uh, the Northern Gateway project, right? And, and right. So, so that, so Christy Clark, who's the premier, she has the decision in terms of the permitting for those projects, right? And, and we got to know this as a community because we're electing people who are going to be making big environmental decisions for us. Um, so voting, uh, yeah, what I choose with my dollar and, uh, and also, I think just my actions, like, you know, talking to people, having that conversation, because I think that a lot of people don't know. They don't, they, you know, they don't know or they don't pay attention to, um, to some of the impacts that we have on a daily basis uh, in terms of our choices, right? So I think that, you know, small actions really do go a long way. And having that, just like a, that higher level of consciousness. Uh, will actually benefit because you're, you'll be affecting the people just close to you. And then, you know, by extension, they will affect others, right?
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. This winter has been, like, really ridiculously cold. Yeah. Um, what <laughs> yeah. But, um, What um? goes into things like winterizing your home? Is that something that's really expensive to do? Is it, like, unsightly? Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I, don't know. I don't I don't know that I have like a specific question. I just want to be like tell me about winterizing your Winter- home. Yeah, we sealed our windows. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. You can do that so that
2: your uh, your heat doesn't escape.
1: Yeah. Right. That's, that's totally
2: I think why. that's that's the thing I'm referring to, but I don't know. Wrap <laughs> <laughs> wrap on my windows. Yeah. Wear more sweaters in your house. Wear more sweaters in your house, that's for sure. Um, <laughs> ceiling windows is a good one. That's a good one, actually. Fireplace. Use your fireplace. Mm-hmm. Um. <laughs> <laughs> Less, oh, oh my goodness! I remember I went to I went to Ghana and I vouched. I said I will never have hot showers ever again because I was showering constantly in cold water. I guess they didn't have heating. Um. So I was showering in cold water and I was like, okay, I'm never. I'm never taking a hot shower ever again. And it lasted maybe for, like, a month. And then I ended up taking
1: <laughs> <beginning. laughs>
2: tons more hot showers. But it was interesting because um, I think that the opportunities immediately for renewable energy that reminded me are actually in developing countries because they don't have the large infrastructure um, right. yet that we have, right? So a lot of renewable energy companies, they're going to Kenya, they're going to, um, you know, developing areas that need to build that infrastructure, and then the first choice that they pick are renewables instead of, you know, having a uh, conventional fossil fuel-based economy, right? So I think that that was really cool, too. So there's a there's a geothermal project in Kenya that's really big, um, and there are others popping up kind of in, in South America and in Central America, and also um, Asia, so like Indonesia and the Philippines as well.
1: I've heard the argument before, and I don't necessarily agree with it. But the argument would be that um, our developed nations, like Canada and the U.S., like have we were able to contribute so much to like the greenhouse gases in the atmosphere oh, right, uh, yeah. to get to where we are now? And I think that while uh, like on the world stage, if you're putting caps on certain countries, like there are a lot of developing nations that are like, "Whoa, we should be able to use." Um, just
0: as much yeah. as you did.
2: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I don't
2: know if that would be good though. I mean like I think that last month, I don't I don't know if it was last month or sometime last year, I think that China had so much smog in their atmosphere that they couldn't see 2 feet in front of them. Right. Like, I I think that the the impact of that would be more more visible, especially I I think that that happened because China uses so much
1: i I think it was china who made that argument that like probably (laughs) (laughs) that doesn't surprise me but they have so many people right
2: like yeah canada only has 30 million people which seems like a lot but it's really it's not that much compared to like the population population.
0: of california
2: yeah (laughs) and somehow you know california actually is a leader in uh in geothermal as well, and in other sources of energy, right? Like, they've got tons of wind farms, tons of solar, but because they have the right climate for it, I think it's harder in Canada because we have all this snow, we've got really, you know, extreme weather that kind of, not that it doesn't make for, um, like, a good... Uh, environment for renewables but it's a little bit more difficult Um, and it's really interesting because different renewables can be applied for for different situations but uh, and then that brings up the thing about uh, should we put a price on carbon I think that Vancouver introduced a carbon tax and it's actually been going really well for them despite you know people kind of second guessing it and whatnot but it has shown that you know taxing carbon actually reduces carbon consumption so that's kind of really cool too.
0: Yeah, that is really cool. I had one question. I don't know if you have any experience with uh, or knowledge about Bullfrog Power. Um, My mom uses Bullfrog Power in our house. Um, Do you know what it is? I've actually heard of
2: them, but remind me. So my understanding is (laughs) that you
0: basically pay a certain amount every month and um, your dollar basically injects renewable or clean energy into the grid. So it's not necessarily that you are Particular house is um, is fueled by renewable energy, but the equivalent of what you pay for is that renewable energy is going to be put into the grid, which I think is a really cool idea, actually, um, because it's just basically supporting those types of energy.
2: I think that's really cool. I think I had a conversation with someone, and uh, you know, the conversation was about can we? So right now, I think that every province is um, your. So the power being put into the grid is is kind of generated um, and you get charged by a utility company. And right mm-hmm. now there's one utility company in each pro- in each province. And they have the say as to, you know, what kind of energy source gets put into the grid, right? But, mm-hmm. you know, maybe one day we could have people like Bullfrog Power, I guess. Um, so for them, it would just be, you know, them kind of uh, ensuring that the same amount of renewable energy would be put into the grid. But... Maybe we could see one day where a utility uh, was only providing renewable-based energy, and you could actually choose to, you know, purchase power from that clean energy utility. And then, you know, that would be a consumer choice where you know we're, I'm choosing to power my home with uh, renewable yeah. resources, kind of like organic food, right? So we pay more for organic food because. We want it local. We want less pesticides. We want less GMO. Whatever, right? Um, so, uh, in, in the same sense, you'd be purchasing, um, you know, renewable power from a clean energy utility, which I think was like would be so cool, and it, I would love to see that happen one day.
1: Yeah, that'd be yeah. awesome. Cool. Well, that's it for me. Steph, did you have any other questions for Julia? know, I learned so much though
0: in the last little while. Um, Thank you so much, Julia, for sharing all of your amazing knowledge and also amazing opinions. You've given us a lot to think about. Oh, cool! Our audience will agree.
2: You guys are great. You guys have a great podcast. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. Um, <laughs> if you guys liked what you
0: heard, then leave us a comment on the blog or tweet us at Green Guinea Pigs. We'll pass all of your questions along to Julie if you have any, and I'm sure she'd be happy to answer them.
1: Um, yeah. Thank did you. you, for you have been- me. Great. Have a good night. Okay. All right.
0: Thanks for talking to us. Bye. Okay. Guys. Bye. Okay, bye.
1: Okay, bye.